0: I'm going to thinking about um, giving, and, and uh, so what I'm going to say now is just in relation to our offering. And we know that we bring our offering with gratitude for what God has done for us. That's the basis of it. Uh, but you know, I love people who have a mission to support. Um, they're sort of one of a kind, and uh, if you get amongst them, you'll find they have such a passion. Uh, that giving isn't a great thing, it's just what you do when you have a passion for something uh, recently I was on a Southern Cross Kids Camp and they're all very passionate about foster kids and kids in care uh, and giving is just part of what they do because they have such a passion for it and uh, we were we were finalising some finances and, uh, and just a couple of little things I said to one of them who'd spent quite a deal of money running around getting things, oh, you know, if you can let us know how much you spent, uh, we're happy to reimburse you. But as quick as the flash, no, that's my service to God. That's my service for my mission. Uh, And that's what people that have a passion for a mission are like. And on the same camp, um, we were, again, at the end of the camp adding up expenses and said to somebody... Oh, look, um, we know you spent such and such on this. We need to just have an invoice uh, for it. Oh, no, no, that's on my card. Forget it. Same sort of passion. I love people. I love being with people who have a passion for mission because giving is just part of it. Uh, And passion for something can push you to the extent where, you know, giving isn't a great... uh, you know, liability or a great fear or whatever, it actually has a joy attached to it. Do you know giving has a joy attached to it? It's actually like it's um, like the left and right hand, you know, if you give, you've got joy. It just happens. And as you give and you have joy, there's a freedom and a releasing in your spirit uh, that happens before God. It's, it's a it's a thing that just happens because God's sown it into giving. And he knows when, when you can give your finances with a willingness, uh, he knows he has your heart. That's, that's the baseline. And so there's a great joy in giving. And I'd just like to read a couple of scriptures to you, encouraging you um, this morning. Of course, for this church, our, our people that come to this church... Giving we know we can give up the back cash and uh, online at all and too that's that's part of our giving. But for everybody just generally, for everybody that's from another church, from a local church, um, this is just a message for you in the sense of God wants us to learn to give. Um, and it, and it, there's a reason behind it. So this was to the church, the Corinthian church who were involved in in giving an offering and they took a whole year to raise it I think it was a, a fabulous gift whatever it was they were so intent on what they were doing uh, to help a needy church that they took a whole year to do it and uh, it was a great gift but this is what this is what Paul said about it he said um, it's actually headed in my Bible, which is a passion translation, hilarious generosity. Here's my point a stingy sower will reap a meagre harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart and not From a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Uh, You can't separate joy from giving. Very important for us to get a hold of that. And uh, so I'd like to encourage you. I know we give for mission, and when we have a mission and we're passionate about it, it's where sometimes our focus is. But I'd like to encourage you to have a passion for the church, just your church your local church, as well as the missions that you may sow into. Let's get a passion. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a passion? All the Christians in Bendigo, all the Christians in our nation, all the Christians in our world, we have a passion for our church, our churches, and we support them. And they're healthy because we support them. What a wonderful thing for us us to be involved with. and uh, And I know that... We are grateful for what God's done for us. We are grateful for our churches. And let that be the reason that we give. Let's experience the joy in giving and the freedom in giving. I love people that are givers. They have smiles on their faces. They do. They really have a smile on their face because there's a joy in their heart which is associated with giving and a freedom that comes, that God gives as we give. So let me encourage you to support... The churches support our Bendigo churches. Let's make them strong. Be be mindful of what God is asking you to give, and uh, respond to it this morning. So, uh, let me just leave those words uh, with you this morning. Good
1: morning, everybody. to see you. Hallelujah. So our commissioning service once a year, and uh, and I, I like to I like to understand what I'm doing. So I, I just looked at that word um, commissioning, and it just means it's got a lot of meanings. If you actually look up the, the definition, lots of definitions, but uh, it's a group of people entrusted. By an official body with authority to do something—that's fairly open, isn't it? A group of people entrusted by an official body with authority to do something—and uh, and you know, I was asking the Lord um, a couple of weeks ago. I said, what, "What do you want me to share, Lord, in this in this um, in this setting?" And I don't know if. Um, if any of you um, journal, I know some people will, and others won't. And if you've got no idea what journaling is, um, can I just say that when it was first presented to me, I had a real—I I, I really struggled with it because I'm, I'm, I'm fairly analytical with my thinking. So if somebody says something, don't expect an answer quickly, because <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about it, and um, and all of that. But. Uh, the way it was presented to me quite a number of years ago is ask the Lord get in a place get yourself in the right headspace ask the Lord um, whatever the question is and then listen and as you hear write and I had a really tr- real trouble with that initially because I I would write start writing and then I 'd start thinking and it, no no write just write and and I find when I when I journal um, I, I have trouble keeping up I can't write it down quick enough and then I'll leave it for a while and then I'll come back and read it <laughs> sometimes I just <laughs> where would that come from but, um, so that's, that's journaling so I'm going to share I asked the question I asked the Lord and this is what I got and um, Uh, every person I have created I I am the one who began this process and I will bring it to conclusion each person has been made in my image and has the potential to be used by me to find their place in this creation I would have everyone to know that I am and that I will fulfil my purposes in this earth every individual can be a part of that as they submit their heart and soul to me I will not override a will that is against me or my ways my word is truth and as an individual joins themselves to my word I have the power available to see that word manifest in that life I will build my church I will change the heart that is given to me in loving submission. Do not fret or worry about the how, only submit to me and see it happen. I can do all things with the one who will let me in. <laughs> God is good. God is a good, good God. And I just say with, um, with, in relation to, um, to journaling, if you ever write so if you have a journal and you're write something down and you look at it later and says, Oh, that doesn't agree with scripture you've probably had some bad pizza at some stage and and just forget that. Because God will never go against what he says in his word. Hallelujah. And you can judge everything by his word. So I was looking at that and I was looking back through it and thinking about it. And and you know, some verses Came to mind, you know, God says, I have created well we know. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. And then in Genesis 127, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female he created them. So, you know, if you're ever in any doubt, there's only two. (laughs) That's another story. And then when God said he's, he started the process and he'll bring it to conclusion, I'm thinking, okay, what's the scriptures there, Lord? And, you know, in the book of Revelation, eight verses into the book of Revelation, uh, and it's words in red in, uh, in some Bibles, so Jesus speaking, and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the, uh, the beginning and the end. And then nine verses from the end of the book of Revelation he says it again I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last. So if you look at it all creation is bookended by God. He's there in the beginning He's there in the end and everything else in between He's there as well. But I said, okay, Lord, what's the word for, for today? So, um, now, if you were in, uh, if you're a, a, a staff member and were in an assembly, um, these verses were shared with us on, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so, if you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I actually like it when that, um, when that happens, because you think, okay. God's trying to get a message across. Now, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. So. so it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. My fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. For you know full well that when you were unbelievers, you were led astray in one way or another, by the worship of idols, which are incapable of talking to, with you. Therefore, I want to impart to you an understanding of the following No one speaking by the Spirit of God would ever say Jesus is the accursed one. No one can say Jesus is Lord Yahweh unless the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many gifts, uh, many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. For example, the Spirit gives one the gift of wisdom, the word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. And to another, the same Spirit gives the gift of faith. And to another, the same Spirit gives gifts of healing. And to another, the power to work miracles. To another, gift of prophecy. To another, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking and to another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes activities and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. So it's talking about the church. It's talking about operation of gifts within, within the church. But then it, um, Paul goes on to make a distinction about the different gifts, because in our natural, in our natural thinking, in our human mind, we like to rank things. We like to, you know, put things. This is the most important, and blah, blah, blah. have a whole long list. But Paul makes this distinction in verse twelve. Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. And, you know, that's speaking to us as individuals to understand what God has given us is important. And the enemy will try and tell you, you're not important. You don't matter. What you do is insignificant. And that's a lie. Think of it in this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, How could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many differing parts and functions, but one body." So that's, the, that's that side of how we feel about ourselves. But, you know, there's another side, how we feel about other people. And that's a really, really important element that we've got to get right. Because sometimes the enemy will push us in one direction and say, well, you're not important. And if we, if we agree with that, we, we won't fulfil the thing that God has given us to fulfil. But if he can't get us going there, he'll get us going the other way and think, well, we are very important and we are more important than you, thank you very much. And we're not going to be able to fulfill what, um, what we need to do in that state either. And verse 27, you are the body of the anointed one and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. God has placed in the church the following, the first apostles, second prophets, third teachers... And then those with gifts of miracles, gifts of divine healing, gifts of revelation knowledge, gifts of leadership and gifts of different kinds of tongues. Not everyone is an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. Not everyone performs miracles or have gifts of healings or speaks with tongues or interprets tongues. But you should all constantly boil over with passion in seeking the higher gifts. Now, what I just said before, you know, we rank and we look at this and say, oh look, see there's a ranking. First apostles, then prophets, etc. But where are the apostles and prophets? This talked about as being our foundation in the building. Where's the foundation? It's underneath. You don't even see it. You know it's there because the whole building stands. So We've just got to get that, that, that understanding. It's not, no, no, I'm somebody. No, if you are somebody, we will know because you will be serving in the gift that you've been given <laughs> for the benefit of all. Glory to God. And, you know, this, was, this is talking about um, operation of gifts within the church. And you say, well, well does, do, can we take that further? Absolutely. What about the, what about the school? What about the people in the school? It's the same. Exactly the same. So in here this morning we've 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 got leaders in the college. Those who've been tasked to perform a particular role of leadership. Uh, we've got teachers. And uh, the teachers do the face-to-face. Um, we've got people working in administration. And that is so vitally important. And look, we've got maintenance staff, we've got cleaners, we've got all these people in, in the college. And you say, well, is anyone more important than the other? Well, I'd say to you, um, give, the, um, give the cleaners a week off and see what happens. <laughs> Everything will be in a mess. <laughs> and we could go through each and, each and every one to, um, to find that is exactly the case. Each does their role but we each do it for the benefit of each other the leadership gives the direction teaching staff they carry out that face to face the administration makes it all work (laughs) without that doesn't operate doesn't operate for very long and uh, things need to be maintained and clean and all those things everybody's important Everybody's important. Hallelujah. You know, there's there's a statement, um, and I I meant to ask exactly what year we we, um, got this happening, but helping students discover all God made them to be. What year was that? Anybody help me? (laughs) Well, there was a... um, I was challenged on that by, by, by st- that statement by somebody when we, we first um, put that out in the in the school helping students discover all God made them to be now the the, the challenge was why are you being so overtly Christian why why the God thing in, in there uh, it, it's going to put some people off yeah you know, it's going it's, it's, it's going to put some people off why, why have you done that? And this person was a great advocate for the school. This person really loved our school. And um, he saw, you probably, some of you will probably understand who it is, but he saw multiple schools over 30, 40 years, more than 40 years, about that, coming through his gym. So he would see groups of kids all the time from different different schools. And he saw our kids and our teachers and he recognised the difference. And he was a great advocate for for the school um, over a very long period of time. But you know, he didn't make the connection. He didn't make the connection that the kids and the staff were different because God was in the place. Huh. And that's really sad. It's really sad that that would be the case. And can I just say that no one, no one will ever discover who they are really, who they really are outside of God. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what their gifts and abilities and talents and all the rest of it. No one will understand who they have been created to be by the maker, by the creator, unless they invite him in to have a part of that and unless they give what he's given them back to him so he can use it. Mm. Now we can educate to a high standard and the college is known for that. It has been known for that for decades good school, high academic standards, um, all the rest of that. And, and and we should. That's what we should do because the college is an educational edu- uh, institution. That's what should happen. But in the end the only thing that will be eternal is our love for God and our knowledge of Him. In the end <laughs> what letters we got after our name or any of those things will account for nothing but our love for Jesus Christ will go on for eternity Hallelujah and you know it's a, a, that um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 it's a really really important um, it's a really important passage for us to understand and have a correct appreciation for what God has given us and how he would have us to use what he's given us. But, you know, I think the next chapter is even more important. Because <laughs> the last sentence there just says, and now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. And if you've ever, I don't think I've ever been to a Christian wedding that First Corinthians chapter 13 has not been read out. And and I would say so it should be, because it's the it's the love chapter. It's the chapter that talks about what love is. And uh, and I'd just like to read some some verses out of out of that. And and verse four, uh, verse four to seven. Paul writes, love is large, and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as a defeat, for it never gives up. Hallelujah. In the King James Bible, uh, the word um, used in in place of love in that that passage is is charity. And uh, if you look at the the Greek, it's it's the word agape, it's the unconditional love. And a, and a, a, a meaning that's associated with agape is affection or benevolence. And benevolence is the quality of being well-meaning. The quality of being well-meaning, or kindness. Kindness. You know, sometimes I, I see people with that T-shirt, and it, and it just says, "Be kind." You know, and I think, yeah, that's it. Be kind. So love prays for one another. That's what love does. Love prays for one another. You're walking in love, you're walking in prayer, you're praying for one another. That's our connect. Prayer is our connection. Prayer is our connection to God. If we're not praying, we're disconnected. If we're praying, we've got that connection and, and God can God can direct us more, more easily. <laughs> and in Jesus' ministry, he would he would pray. Then he would minister and then he would go off again by himself to pray. What's he doing? He's, re- he's recharging. He's getting that relationship so close, so lined up. He's getting direction. What do I do next, Lord? <laughs> Father, what do I do next? <laughs> so we see that throughout Jesus' ministry. And sometimes you know, it, it, the, the world tries to take words that God has given us and distort their meaning and give us something else and if we take some of those things on board we, we lose what God is saying so love is is not a warm fuzzy it's not it's a decision it's not a feeling now am I saying that feelings don't come with love yeah absolutely and, and we can have warm fuzzies <laughs> with with our, 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 our love relationships and that, that's great. But ultimately love is a decision. And I use this example. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying. He was praying for people. He knew exactly what was coming. And why did he do that? because he loved he went to the cross (laughs) because he loved he loved us he loves us was that difficult yeah there were no warm fuzzies in the garden of Gethsemane and we see on the cross those people that had put him on the cross They hated him. (laughs) They'd just just given themselves over to the enemy and the enemy was using them. But what was Jesus' response on the cross? (laughs) You know, Father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> he was actually praying to the Father that those people would forgive, that the Father would forgive those ones. And you say, "Oh, well, yeah, that's okay. Well, that's right. That's, that's Jesus, the Son of God." Well, in the Book of Acts, we see um, some men that were given a responsibility um, for the daily distribution of food, food in the church. And Stephen was one of seven of these deacons, I suppose we would call them, to do this job. And he did it faithfully. But, you know, God added because we see that um, Stephen was was working miracles and, and all sorts of things that got him into trouble. And, um, you know, we know that, um, that Stephen was dragged out of the city because... The same spirit that had put Jesus on the cross was still in operation there. And they stoned him for telling the truth. <laughs> and the last thing he said was a prayer. It was a prayer to God. And he said, Lord, do not charge this sin against them. Many died. <laughs> That's love. That's love. It's the greatest expression of love. <sighs> so, is there, you know, for us, is there, a, is, there a, is there something that we take away with this? Sure is. Sure is. Love actually prays for your enemies. We're told that. So, has anybody ever had a negative thought about another person? Oh, i was speaking to the right crowd. That's it. So, when a negative thought comes to your mind regarding another, don't dwell on the negative. Pray for that person. Oh, that's really hard. It says in James 4:7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you know what we're doing when we're submitting to somebody that we've had angst with? We are submitting to God, we are resisting the devil know there's another scripture that says that we are to cast down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the word of God and in this in this setting a thought a negative thought against another person is one of those and if we take on board that thought we'll get into that imaginations thing have you, anybody ever done anybody ever had an imaginary conversation with somebody that I'm going to say this, I would say this, back and forth, all in our head. What a waste of time. We've all done it. But we, we sort of, there's no submission. There's no submission to God in that because God submitting to God is submitting to the love of God. And I'd say another one that we can take away. When we walk submitted to the love of God, fear has no hold. I'll say it again. When we walk, when we live, when we operate submitted to the love of God, fear has no hold. And we know the origins, we should know the origins of, 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 of fear when, when Adam and Eve sinned. The, their first response when, when God came to see where His creation was and have fellowship with, with them, their first Adam's first response when God said, "Where are you?" He said, oh, I "Well, was, I was naked and I was afraid. Fear comes in with the, came in with the enemy, and fear can can you know manifest itself in in all manner of ways." all manner of ways. But if we can understand that in the beginning when God created, there was no fear. There wasn't. Fear wasn't there. It didn't exist. It only came in with the enemy. So if we can be quick to understand that any manifestation of fear has its roots with the enemy and not with God. It says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Who was perfect love? Well, God is love. But who demonstrated perfect love? It was Jesus. (laughs) He demonstrated it. And we're only here right now because of his demonstration of love for us Hallelujah and everything else that is good comes out of love every other attribute that is good comes out of love Now, for the joy that was set before him Jesus endured the cross despising the show. so joy was there because there was an action of love Glory to God. So my encouragement for this year, for everybody, whether in the school, whatever the role, love each other. Will it get difficult at times? Yeah. Yep. Where you've got a bunch of people, you've got a bunch of problems. You get a big bunch of people. You got You can have a big bunch of problems. But it doesn't have to be that way. If we make that decision individually, that I'm going to walk in love. I'm just going to love you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for for all the the. Variety and, the, and the, the things that you've put within your creation. And, and Lord, I thank you for each and every individual. Lord, you have created each and every one. Lord, I thank you for the things that you've put within our lives. And Lord, I thank you that um, we have the opportunity to be able to benefit everybody uh, by giving those things back to you and, and just allowing you to empower um, those gifts and those abilities uh, in, in such a, a dynamic way. So Father, help us in the, in the, in the actual day today, Lord, that um, when we um, have the issues that come with life, Lord, that, that we would be quick to come to you, Lord, to pray, uh, and Lord, to, uh, to seek the benefit. Of, uh, of others in, in our prayers. So, uh, Lord, we thank you that um, that your will is, is perfect. And Lord, that as we submit ourselves to your will, uh, Lord, you've got everything else in hand. So Father, we just thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we're actually uh, going to pray for some people this morning gonna kind of commission some people um, so I think I would um, ask if um, Gerhard and Celia if you would both come up here now um and then by now I asked for Gerhard and Celia um, and Celia and would say well I'm not I'm not, um, I'm not in the management of the school if you understand that this is a unit that's the way God's designed it to be so when you're praying when you're praying for Gerhard you pray for Celia, you pray for them both you pray for them as, as a unit Lynn can you come out here, James can you come out here please um, now now um, Lynn is um, assistant principal. James is um, assistant principal. This year he's taking a a role. But um, uh, Marie is on long service leave and he stepped into into that space. So um, it's an interesting space to step into. (laughs) Yeah, that's very good. And can I ask anybody else who is working in the school, doesn't matter what the role anybody else working in the school can you just stand please Sean you come out here this man's very important because if we didn't have him none of you people get paid so right, here, right here. and and can I ask for the do um, um, you So we're just going to we're just going to pray for you people. Take a step forward. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If anybody has anything particular, um, um, Caleb's got a microphone, and other people in the church. You just want to stretch your hands out to these important people out here as well Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Just thinking about
0: these people this morning I just felt God wanted to say to particularly people in leadership there's a grace being given to people from God and the grace means there's an enabling a God-given enabling, a God-given power, a God-given ability that has a supernatural component given by God because of the calling that's upon each of you. And it's not presumptuous for you to say to God, I'm in this position and I call upon that enabling. I use that grace that God has given. Given to me, it's not presumptuous. And I felt God was saying, There is a solution to everything. Don't give up. There's a solution. If you can't find it at the time, keep trying to find it in God. God, what is the solution to this issue? There is a solution. God has solutions. Sometimes they are completely supernatural and once they snap into your mind you will know that they're supernatural because you never would have thought of it yourself and you'll say, oh that's brilliant. Of course, of course. So I do want to encourage you that you're not doing this yourself on your own. There's actually a grace given for your position for the peculiarities, if you want a better word, of your position. So if it's financial, there are solutions for that financial position that is a God-given grace, ability, enabling. Uh, If it's the principal's role, or the principal's wife's role, which I really appreciated that point because these two are a unit. And uh, two heads are better than one. But there is an enabling, a grace upon that calling. And you're not being presumptuous to say, God, what is the solution? I, I don't know what to do. Please give me your solution. And the same with Lynn. I felt, Lynn, I felt particularly there is a grace upon you that. You understand, you've had some experience in using it, but God's just saying uh, he's going to develop it more and just draw, draw on it because mm-hmm. it's there to help you mm-hmm. and to uh, keep you on top of things, if I put it that way, you'll understand what it means. And for James 2, a grace, a grace given as you step into a position. You're not on your own. It's a supernatural, natural thing. I'm just going to pray for you as you receive this now. Father, we thank you for each of these people that are in specific managerial positions. And we thank you, Lord, for the grace that you have given to them to operate successfully, in these roles. And we pray, Lord, that this will just be uh, in their minds, that they can ask help of you, that you do have solutions, that there is nothing that will come their way this year that doesn't have a solution. Father, we're just praying that this will be a reality as they walk in this position before you this year, cause it to be constantly on their mind. God, God, has a solution, what is the best answer for this issue. And Lord, we just ask that you just bless them as they receive this grace. Lord, and we thank you so much for it. It's supernatural. What a wonderful grace and gift to have. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
2: Uh, When I was asking the lord what what he wanted to um to say to you he he led me to a a verse that's in first kings chapter 19 a passage and uh in this passage the lord uh calls elijah to to go and uh and and travel and and he finds himself in a cave and um the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold the Lord pass by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains, and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the Lord spoke to him, and what the Lord was was telling me, and this is a word for the whole uh, staff community and the, and the community of this college. But what the Lord was saying to me, to to impart to you and to encourage you with, is that uh, his sheep know his voice, and that uh, throughout and as things are existing, that it, there is a lot of things happening outside of this place. There's a lot of things happening in the world. And they're there at the temptation is to be drawn out, to be concerned with, to be distracted by what is going on outside. But what I feel the Lord speaking to you and and us as a community is to to be listening for His voice. Don't be distracted by anything else. Don't be drawn out of your mission and your calling and your purpose by anything else but His voice. And as as you... uh, Spend as much time as possible listening, talking, hearing. That None of that other stuff is going to be a distraction. It's not going to be concerning. Now that, that's going to be supernatural. <laughs> because it's big. It's going to be big. There's going to be things that are happening that will be big. But don't be concerned by them. Because you're right where God has called you to be. And that is a really safe place. Yeah, and I just wanted to re- release and encourage the, the whole staff community with that as well. Let, let, let me just pray. Father, I thank you that uh, you've called these wonderful people to where they are, even even those who thought, wow, how did I end up here? You put them here. Lord, I just thank you for the grace that you've given them to operate in the role that they have. And Lord, I thank you that, that as they go into this year and beyond that they you are with them that you are speaking to them always and that you desire for that they would hear your voice and not be concerned by anything else that is happening no matter how big no matter how destructive or scary it seems you have a place for them of protection and that you will give them direction when they need it most lord thank you amen
3: I was thinking before um, cave, sorry, Before Elijah was in the cave, he had a great victory. great victory. But then he went to the cave. And some people don't understand that the cave's a good place to be. I, I tend to dwell in my cave quite a bit. And people who know me understand that that's the hiding place. It's a secret place in God. I feel like I've got my back to some people, but, you know, it's like, this is for everybody to understand, but there's a lot going on outside the cave. But God wants you to know there's a secret place, there's a hiding place in him. And it's when you spend time in that secret place, then you can go out and have the victories, the celebrations, all the things that God wants you to do, but you need to be spending time with him by yourself because leaders need to be led. Leaders are useless unless they're led by the Spirit of God. I've got a couple of verses. It's in Psalm 32. It says, Lord, you are my secret hiding place protecting me from these troubles. So when you're dwelling in the cave, so to speak, there's a protection there. There's a peace. There's a real quietness in the cave. Some people don't like quiet. I like quiet. Some people need to be busy all the time, but it's very difficult to hear from God when you're busy all the time. So you've got to find that secret place and spend time with him so you can hear his voice. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles. Surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. And it's in those songs of praise you're going to find the breakthrough. And then it says, and this is for everyone, I hear the Lord saying, just being in the cave, being in the hiding place, I hear the Lord saying... I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. And I will advise you along the way and lead you forth by my eye. Any child who has a parent who really loves them and guides them properly understands that children only need to see the eye from the parent. Just and, and when there's that respect and love, they, they honour the eye. <laughs> for different reasons sometimes. But the Lord wants us to be so sensitive to being in His presence, in the quiet place where we hear His voice, He's going to lead us. And when we're in the Word, we're going to see clearly what God's saying for each one of us, and He'll lead us every day. But we have to prioritise the hiding place,
1: the secret place. Okay, I think I'll just um, one more prayer to get you going. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for each and every member of this college community. Lord, we thank you for uh, the leaders as they stand here, and and everybody standing in this room and the role that they have in the college and father we just know that um, your will will be done lord as we seek you and father we just uh, we just ask for an empowerment Uh, lord it is your grace lord to be on each and every person uh, to be able to do all the things that you've called them to do and lord we just thank you for it and we praise you in jesus name amen thank you everybody Uh, And we're just uh, going to finish off with Communion Yes, so if you
4: don't have your Communion cup, there's probably some Kingdom kids around here that could help you with that. They're pretty good at zipping around. So if you don't have one, you can put your hand up or you can go back to the table at the back and grab one. So now, church, everyone takes part in Communion. Uh, So feel free, from the youngest little person to the oldest person, we'll all take part. Okay, so um, it's good to see everyone today, but this morning we're going to, I'm just going to read a passage um, about the triumph of God's love, seems to be a little bit of a theme happening today, Um, and it's in Romans chapter 8. And verse 31. And I was thinking about, um, just while you're looking that up, if you are, um, I was thinking about communion. And of course, at communion time, we have the cup and the biscuit that represents God's body, which is broken, and the blood that he shed for us. And sometimes we can dwell on, rightly so, the sacrifice that God made for us and what he went through on the cross. But this morning, I want to add to that, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He's alive today. He rose again. So as we're talking today, just remember, yes, he died on the cross, but he rose again. He rose again. So it says here from verse 31, so what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? Staff and leaders, no one can stand against you. You have Jesus on your side. He's living inside you. You've got him. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Whatever's in this word... He's not going to withhold anything in there. It's yours. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. What does he say about you? Not guilty. So when the enemy's trying to accuse you or put you down or, you know, gets in your head and say things, just say, ah, says in the word, not guilty because Jesus died for me and he paid the price, not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at the right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? No condemnation in God. And what's Jesus doing now? He's advocating for each one of us. And when the enemy comes and says, oh, you know, what? No, not guilty because I paid the price. Nothing. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. Now we can come to church on Sunday and do our thing. Do we really believe that? That nothing can separate us from the love of God. My mum passed away last Sunday, but we're going to celebrate her this week. And she knew this. So do we think, oh yes, that's all lovely, yes, is heaven, you know, da 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 da. Or do we actually believe it? Do we really believe that's our future? I do. And I know that's where my mum is. Thank God that she was a Christian lady. Um, but, you know, we, have, we all have that same hope because Jesus conquered death. And it goes on in this verse to say um, that there is no power above us or beneath it, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. And it says, I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. Nothing. Because this was the ultimate sacrifice. He did it because he loved us. He died, but he rose again. And he lives in each one of us that have asked him into our life. And we have the same hope of his love always being with us plus eternal life. So let's stand and let's just thank the Lord for what he's done for us. But remembering particularly that he is risen. He is risen and he's alive today. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you've done. And we thank you that we can come together and we can remember what you've done. But Lord, we just take this body this morning remember that your body was broken for each one of us. Thank you, Jesus. So that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Jesus. Let's eat the biscuit. Lord, we thank you too that you shed your blood for each one of us. Lord, we just, we're just we just so appreciative of what you did. And we don't take that lightly, Lord. We understand the weight that you carried on our behalf. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you so much. Let's just drink of a cup. Thank you, Lord. You're just so good to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Amen.
5: Just finish with some announcements. I trust you've all got something to take home today. That God has whispered into your spirit. That'll equip you for all that He's called you to do. So, um, a lot of things are all starting back this week, but playgroup doesn't start until next Monday. So, um, not tomorrow, there'll be lots happening right there tomorrow. And uh, so no playgroup tomorrow, but 9.30 to 11.30 next Monday and every Monday uh, for Turn 1. And uh, Wednesday night is um, our prayer meeting. Uh, Note the change of time for our people uh, at 7 to 8, and then the men's night's going to start, and it'll follow on the Wednesday, so it won't be Thursday's issue, it'll be Wednesday, and the ladies will be the alternate Wednesday, so they will be happening after the prayer on a Wednesday here at the church. So Thursday at 9 o'clock will be the community prayer that we come together um, with with any parents that would like to come and pray for the school in the William Room. So we meet every Thursday morning at nine o'clock to pray for the school. So uh, those people that are um, in the school, if there's anything specific, I know that Beck talks to uh, Gerhardt and... Uh, about uh, needs and, and we pray. But if there's anything specific, um, please let us know and we can pray. Uh, Friday starts Kingdom Kids at uh, two three thirty. Is it Yep, three thirty. Three thirty, and Kingdom Kids starts back on the fourth next Sunday. So uh, I'd like to invite you all to stay today for a a, a drink and something to eat and to catch up with each other and us. So the Lord bless you all Um, and may his face shine upon you and that this would be the best first week that's ever happened. (laughs) Thank
2: you.